Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. Today we see one of the more curious accounts of one of Jesus' miracles, where he heals the, um, the child of a Canaanite woman, and he doesn't grant her request right away. We'll look at that particularly under um, Romans chapter 11 in our sermon today. The service is contained in the service folder, aside from some of the hymns. We'll begin with our opening hymn number 224, God Himself is Present. God bless your worship. service folder, please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins, 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
Our second reading from Romans chapter 11, reading selected verses. God's grace makes the unlovable into his dear possession. Paul writes, I am speaking to you Gentiles, for as long as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I am going to speak highly of my ministry. Perhaps I may make my own people jealous, and so save some of them. For if their rejection meant the reconciliation of the world, what does their acceptance mean other than the dead coming to life? In regard to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but in regard to election, they are especially dear for the sake of the patriarchs, because God's gracious gifts and call are not regretted. For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy due to their disobedience, so also now they have become disobedient, so that by the mercy shown to you, they may be shown mercy too. For God imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. Our theme verse is printed for you then. Alleluia. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Alleluia. Please ride, please rise for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 15. Although rejected by the Jews, God's grace reaches the outcast Gentiles. <laughs> territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away, because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. <coughs> yes, Lord, she said. Yet the dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. This is the word of our God. page 18 in your, in your hymnal for our Confession of Faith in Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father and the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became full of human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn. <laughs>
Dear fellow Redeemer, we briefly consider our reading from Romans chapter 11. What happens when God's grace is taken for granted? What happens when God's grace is taken for granted? The answer to that question, and the answer to really every question along that whole train of thought, is portrayed for us very clearly in our gospel lesson from today. What happens when God's grace is taken for granted? We see, we see this image of a woman crying out from a distance, and she keeps on crying out. And she doesn't stop, and she follows them almost like, like she's the one who's demon-possessed. She's certainly possessed, but possessed by, by a love for her daughter and a confidence in her Lord. She was not the one who had taken God's grace for granted. Instead, she is the one who, quite to the contrary, quite to the contrary, looks for the one where grace can be found. She did not take God's grace for granted. She came to the place. But rather, the source of grace came to her. What happens? When God's grace is taken for granted, we see it earlier in the chapter. Earlier in the chapter where the Jewish leaders reject Jesus. You say, you're the Messiah? You say, you are the promised son of David? <laughs> no. It's by the prince of demons he drives out demons, they would say. Surely he comes from Nazareth. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. And so, what happens when God's grace is taken for granted? Martin Luther described it as a rain shower that moved to another part of the world. And in this case, we see the gospel, Jesus Christ there in the flesh, moving to another part of the region. Moving to this woman who was a Canaanite. Why? All for the purpose of, of hopefully arousing his own people to jealousy. Here, here was this outcast, this Canaanite. And she receives a miracle. She welcomes Jesus as the promised Messiah, and she, she receives grace. What happens when God's grace is taken for granted? Well, God's grace moves away. Plain and simple. And that's absolutely terrifying, because there is no way for anybody to approach God on their own merits. That's exactly what Paul talks about here. God has imprisoned all people in disobedience. And that's an absolutely, absolutely repulsive thought. God has imprisoned me, you, in disobedience, locked up in this prison where we can't approach God, we can't break out. It's a prison just as, as strong and as certain as hell itself. And that was our destiny until... God's mercy was revealed. Mercy. Where God doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace. God gives us what we don't deserve. And what he gave to you and to me was a door out of that prison. So what happens when God's grace is taken for granted? The gospel came to the Gentiles. Now granted, that was God's plan all along. But, but given the severity of the problem, that when God's grace is taken for granted, we should probably take just a moment and consider what that looks like. It's almost like the patient going into the doctor and saying, here are my symptoms. And the doctor says, oh, that's a common cold. Go on your way, you'll get better soon. Or, the other option, the other extreme, that's a serious condition. Based on the symptoms that you list, 
And so what should we do? We, should, we have to treat that symptom today. We have to treat that disease or disorder. So what are the symptoms of God's grace being taken for granted? You can probably think of a few offhand. Whether it's, it's a lack of worship of our God. And I'm not just talking about the numbers of attendance. Because sitting in the pew itself is just the place where we worship. But what is worship? It's a heart that confesses. I know that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, approach my God, decide to follow Him, come to Him. But trusting solely in His grace and in His mercy alone, I know that Jesus died to save me. What does it look like? when God's grace is taken for granted. Christians who, who have been instructed in the Word of God and who lie content in the fact that, oh, I, I could re- recite the Apostles' Creed, I know the Lord's Prayer, Jesus died for me, yeah, sure, okay. <sighs> you see the disconnect there. It's that the heart is unplugged, even though the words remain. That... The faith has started to dwindle, even though, even though the structure and even some of the facts, the historical facts, remain. That's what Paul talks about here. That God's grace, God's call, was not regretted. He had shown mercy and grace to these Gentiles, or to these Israelites, rather. He had chosen them to be his own, and yet they rejected him. They took God's grace for granted. They still had a shell of worship. They still went through the motions, and there were at least a few remnant remaining in that land. But by and large, God's grace was rejected, and so God's grace moved on. A terrible statement of judgment on the Israelites who had rejected him. And a terribly beautiful (coughs) proclamation of God's grace to the Gentiles who would receive him. And that's you and me. That's you and me. We, outcasts, outsiders, outside of the family of God, hear and we see Jesus in word and sacrament, and we join that woman, pestering Jesus. Please, just give me a crumb of your grace. I know that I need it. But look at how Jesus treats her. This is, this is the heart of the matter. Because if we can see why Jesus says and does what he does, then everything else will fall into line. What is God's grace? What does it mean when God's grace is taken for granted? <coughs> Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I don't have time for her. Did Jesus really want her to go away? Absolutely not. She keeps pestering him. Lord, help me. And you'd expect, you'd expect that at this time, Jesus would say, oh, of course, of course, your daughter is healed. The demon is gone. But he says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the puppies, to the the dog that lives in the house. Here's your meal, sorry. It's going to the dock. And what does she say? Even the puppies underneath the table get a crumb of God's grace. When God's grace is taken for granted, it moves away. When God's grace is recognized and received, God gives his crumbs and his meal. What a beautiful thought. Would you need and like a crumb of God's grace today? Every day? What exactly is a crumb of God's grace? Well, we're talking about eternal blessings, like the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. We're talking about being brought into a body of believers. 
We're talking about access to God exactly in the way that Isaiah talks about here. When he uses this Old Testament picture of their Old Testament worship to say that you and I basically have entry into the most holy place of God. To stand before God in righteousness and holiness and purity forever. That is what God's crumb of grace has given to you. And that's the grace that we treasure. Because just that one little crumb is more than enough. Because, you see, God gave his best. Jesus Christ. Grace and truth in the flesh. And he still comes for you and for me. So what happens when God's grace is taken for granted? Well, today, churches may still may still have Bibles and hymnals. They may still have terms and Bible words like grace and mercy and forgiveness and the love of God. But the heart has been ripped out of those words. And the hearts of people have been unplugged from the Word of God. When God's law is not proclaimed, God's grace is taken for granted. When the declaration of how sick we really are is forgiven, or is forgotten, then the message of forgiveness falls on deaf ears. What do I need that? God loves me. But when God's grace is recognized, we first recognize that we come as nothing but beggars with an empty sack. Lord, I have <laughs> got nothing to offer to you. I can't bring anything to you. I can't even will this heart to keep on pumping so that these feet can come to, to worship you at church. That's in your hands. But Lord, we're here. Just one more crumb, one more taste. Look how gracious our God is. Nothing but a taste, a bite, a sip, a splash, a word. God's grace not taken for granted. Consoles sinners, you and me. Where Jesus himself says, I came to find and to seek and to save you. I came to wash away your sin. I came to give you new life. I came to, to make you my own and to turn every single aspect of your life, turn it around and inject the love of God there and the life of his word so that whatever your occupation and whatever whatever tasks you carry out on any given day, the grace of God shines through in the hearts and the lives of those who have not taken it for granted. Where God makes every element of your life an opportunity to praise Him, whether that's making the coffee in the morning, picking up the paper and handing it to your spouse, punching the clock and putting in a day's work every single element an image of God's grace because as people who have consumed the crumbs of God's grace God has now brought you into his presence and says dear child you came here with an empty bag and I filled it up and so go <laughs> go and distribute my gifts. Go and speak of my grace. Go and, and live as a forgiven child of God. Go and pray for others so that they too may come to know me and my grace. And we come again. Lord, <laughs> my bag is empty. I've got nothing left to give. The reminder from our God. You've been given fullness in Christ. You've been promised eternity in Christ. You stand before God in righteousness and holiness today. When God's grace is taken for granted, it moves on. When God's grace is treasured, it stays. 
plain and simple. So what do we do? And where do we stand? Well, each of us began the service by confessing. I believe that um, I confess that I am by nature sinful, that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and deeds. And the response from your called servant by virtue of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sin is forgiven. Almost to the point where each of us could just recite the words from page 15 or 26 or uh, 38. It's very familiar. The temptation is still there. To take God's word for granted, to unplug the mind, which results in unplugging the heart from our Lord. So what do we do? Well, recognize it. And recognize that when the Lord brings you to his table, when he brings you to to his word, he dispenses there in very simple tools. He dispenses his eternal treasures. Treasures that nations have rejected and outsiders have found. Treasures that God has meant for young and old alike to sustain faith the same way that a meal sustains life. Not as a once and again occasional thing, but as a feast that Christ continually spreads in his word and continually dispenses in his sacrament. What does it look like? What happens when God's grace is taken for granted? Lord, grant that we never go there. But rather, Lord, grant that we always treasure and eat and listen to the feast that our Lord has given to us crumb and by crumb by crumb. <coughs> Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue with the creating me as found on page eight in your service folder.
Please rise for prayer. Lord of power and grace, whose eyes are on the righteous and whose ears are open to their cry, hear the prayer of your people as we come now in thankfulness for the mercies that you pour down on us each day. We thank you for the gifts of your mighty providence. Make us mindful, O Lord, that you have provided us with life, health, and being, and are the source of our daily bread. We praise you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to be the Savior of the world. Grant that we believe in him with all our hearts, learning from him the great truths of the kingdom to which he bore faithful witness. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may produce the fruits of righteousness. May he endow us with unwavering faith, that we might always be ready to do your will. Hear, O Lord, our cry for those who are afflicted. Grant them health and body and soul, and save them for your mercy's sake. We ask that you especially continue to bless and be with Paul Flinke as he recuperates at home after a brief hospitalization. We also ask your hand of mercy upon this country with the natural disasters looming out the west and down the south. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Guide and uphold us during our pilgrimage in this world, and bring us all to our heavenly home. Receive these petitions in the name of the Prince of Life, Jesus our Lord, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with the sacrament in the center part of your bulletin. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is good and right so to do. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who has called us to be his home, so that we may live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and eat. The body of our Lord. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and drink. The true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Be part of peace with God, sins forgiven. Amen.
We continue with our Song of Thanksgiving on page 11 in your service folder. Please rise.
morning once again. Uh, special welcome to the guests worshiping with us, um, especially Jim Kathy Weiland and Tara's brother Jeremy. Um, the notes are listed for you there on page 13, the one that I didn't note. Um, if you would like to join the choir or the Chimes Choir, be sure to talk with Joy. Um, and that is open to anybody that is a member or is taking our instruction class, which begins Saturday. God bless your week. Oh, you may have to do some meeting after our uh, after Bible class. Excellent, thank you. Sorry, John.